All right, let's take our Bibles out from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number three. Ecclesiastes, chapter number three. And um, I know Pastor's not here, but I want to thank him for this opportunity. If he happens to uh, watch the YouTube video, which I doubt he will, uh, but uh, I want to thank him for this opportunity. He should be back this weekend and uh, keep him in your prayers. And while you're turning to Ecclesiastes, chapter number three, uh, I want to. Um, mention something to you, a Baptist preacher, while he was uh, beginning his text, he asked the congregation, does everyone know who Elizabeth Taylor is? And uh, several people shook their head in acknowledgement, uh, while others just looked at him like a calf looking at a new gate, and uh, kind of the looks that we get from uh, the college students. And uh, so they're looking at him. Uh, some knew who he was talking about, some didn't. The pastor began to tell the congregation who, he, who she was. Elizabeth Taylor, he said, was a famous actress who had her own makeup and perfume line. Uh, but in spite of her success, she had a problem. Uh, she was married eight different times. I'm going to tell you the same thing Elizabeth Taylor told all her husbands, and that is this. I'm not going to keep you long. And uh, I don't, I, someone told me I had to be done by seven. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that that'll be the case. But uh, I do want to bring a truth that I believe will be an encouragement and a help uh, and a blessing to you here this evening. I know this is something that helped me. Uh, it's something I've found myself in time and time again throughout my life, and I know if it'll help me, it'll help you. And uh, e Ecclesiastes chapter number three, and I'm going to read the first 11 verses, Ecclesiastes chapter number three. The Bible says in verse number one, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their heart so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I want to draw your attention to verse number 11. The first part of that verse is where I draw my text from uh, and where I will be preaching mainly out of. Uh, the Bible says he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Uh, the title of the message that God put on my heart uh, is a question that I have asked before myself. Uh, it's a question that you probably have asked before. Uh, it may be a question that you're asking even now in your life right now. Uh, if not, it will be a question that at some point you and I will probably ask again in our lives. Uh, I want to preach on uh, this thought, how in the world can anything good come from this? How in the world can anything good come from this? Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the opportunity to come to church. And Lord, I pray that you just be with us here this evening. Lord, no doubt there's some people here that are weary. Uh, there's some people here that are tired. There's some people here that are uh, frustrated. Uh, Lord, no doubt they've uh, got problems in their life. Uh, they've got troubles and tribulations and trials, Lord, and Lord, I pray that I'll just be a blessing here this evening. 
Lord, I pray that you'll take the truths found in your word. I pray that it'll encourage us, exhort us, Lord, and help us here this evening. Lord, give me your power as I preach, and I pray that I'll be a blessing. Help me to say only what you want said, nothing more and nothing less. In Jesus' name, amen. How in the world can anything possibly good come from this? Ecclesiastes chapter 3 opens up with a clear and contrasting comparison between the ugly in life and the beautiful in life. The ugly in life would be a time to die, but the beautiful in life would be a time to be born. The ugly in life would be a time to pluck up that which is planted, but the beautiful in life would be a time to plant. Uh, the ugly in life would be a time to kill, but then alternatively, the beautiful in life would be a time to heal. Uh, the ugly in life would be a time to break down, but the beautiful in life would be a time uh, to build up. The ugly in life, a time to weep. The beautiful in life, a time to laugh. The ugly in life, a time to mourn. The beautiful in life, a time to dance. Uh, the list goes on and on. The ugly in life, a time to cast away stones. The beautiful in life, a time to gather stones. The ugly in life, a time to refrain from embracing. The beautiful in life, a time to embrace. The ugly in life, a time to lose. The beautiful in life, a time to get. The ugly in life, a time to cast away. The beautiful in life, a time to keep. The ugly in life, a time to rend. But the beautiful in life, a time to sow. The ugly in life, a time to keep silence. But the beautiful in life, a time to speak. The ugly in life, a time to hate. The beautiful in life, a time to love. The ugly in life, a time of war. But lastly, the beautiful in life, a time of peace. You see, we love the beautiful in life. We love the beautiful things in life, the beautiful places. I don't have to remind you, when we go on vacation, we often go to a place that's dear and near to our hearts. And in our minds, is a beautiful place. Uh, there's no beautiful, more beautiful place in this world, in my mind, than uh, the great state of Michigan. And I love that. And Brother Triplett, you can just uh, learn to like that one right there. And, uh, but uh, I, I've, I've had the privilege of going to Hawaii. I've lived in Maine. Uh, we've traveled from Maine to California, getting there. We've seen many things. And friend, I'll tell you what, I just love the state of Michigan. It's beautiful uh, in my mind. Uh, we love the beautiful places in life. We love the beautiful situations in life. When it seems like everything's going well and everything's just falling into place and everything is just moving along smoothly and everything just seems to fall in place, we love the beautiful situations in life. We love the beautiful things in life, uh, the different things that God has allowed us to enjoy and allowed us to uh, have and the beautiful things in life. Now, I was thinking about this, and did you ever stop and think of the reason as to why we love the beautiful things in life so much? Do you ever stop and think about that? Why do we love the beautiful things in life so much? Why is that? I believe the answer is found uh, uh, in the scripture here. Because we have seen and experienced enough of that which is ugly. We've seen and experienced enough of that which is ugly. Hey, can I remind you here again? We love uh, a time of peace because we've seen and experienced enough of a time of war. We love a time to love because we've seen and experienced enough of a time to hate. 
We love uh, the time to uh, be born because we've seen enough uh, and experienced enough of the time to die. And friend, the list goes on and on. Uh, life is a series of ups and downs and we cannot enjoy the beautiful without, the, without experiencing the ugly. We cannot have it. Uh, we have to understand here today, hey, God hath made everything beautiful in his time. Uh, the most beautiful sunsets often follow the ugliest storms. Hey, I want to remind you about that. I was in the store a couple weeks ago, about a month, maybe a month and a half ago, and uh, me and my wife were out on a Friday night, and uh, it was storming all that day, and it was heavy downpours and uh, rain everywhere and thundering and uh, lightning, and uh, we were in the store, and then we come out uh, right at sunset, and friend, I'll tell you what, there, there's no greater sunset than what precedes or what, what follows, rather, uh, the worst of storms. I mean, it was the magnificent colors in the sky, uh, a beautiful rainbow, the complete bow. It wasn't just a half a bow. It wasn't a quarter bow. I mean, the complete bow. It almost didn't even look real. Uh, but you think about this. The most beautiful sunsets often follow the ugliest storms. I'm talking to all of us here this evening. We get disappointed in life. We get disillusioned in life. And then we get defeated in life all because uh, of the simple fact that we have forgotten what God has said in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 11. I'll read it again. He hath made everything uh, beautiful in his time. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Hey, hey, I want to help us here this evening. I know this is a great help to me. Uh, there have been many a times in my life I've been frustrated and I've been uh, discouraged I've been uh, disillusioned, and I've, been, uh, I've just been having a terrible time, and uh, this helped me, and I, I hope it'll help you, but I want to help us here. I've asked at certain times in my life, looking at the situations, looking at the circumstances, how in the world can anything good possibly come from this? Uh, you've probably asked that at certain times in your life. How in the world can anything good possibly come from this? Uh, we all have asked this in our life, and you may even be asking it now. Friend, I don't know what's going on in your life. So maybe some things I may, under, may, may know, but I'm sure there's plenty I don't. But friend, the answer to that question is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, when the Bible says, He hath made everything beautiful in His time. Now I've got some things here listed uh, and, uh, that I found in this verse. This is nothing deep, this is nothing new, uh, but I found some things here and I've listed them from this verse and in other verses that I believe will be a help to us. It can help us understand the answer to that question. How in the world can anything good possibly come from this? I want you to notice first of all, notice what the Bible says, he, he, in the words, he hath made all everything good or beautiful in his time, he. Friend, again, I remind you here today, God alone is the one. God alone is the one who has the power to bring about good from that which is bad. God is the one who has the power to bring beauty from that which is ugly. And friend, I'm not talking about your looks here tonight. There ain't nothing that we can do about that. Uh, God made us the way we are. And thank God someone found you that thought you were beautiful if you're ugly here tonight. But friend, I want you to think about the situations in your life. I want you to think about the circumstances in life. I want you to think about the things that you'll go through in life. 
God is the only one who has the power to bring about good from that which is bad. God is the only one who has the ability and the power to bring about beauty from that which is ugly. And can I remind you here tonight, that is God's job. That is not your job. It's not my job. It's not our job. That is God and God alone's job. Think about this. In a company, in a church, in a home, uh, you name it, there's different roles and there's different positions. Everybody has a role. In a company, you have the CEO. In a company, you have the CFO. In the company, you have the COO. Uh, you've got all kinds of titles. You've got managers. You've got team leads. You've got employees. And you know what makes that company just function? You know what makes that company just move along? When everybody fulfills their role. In a home, you've got a father. You've got a mother. Uh, you've got children. And you know what makes that home function in the right way and makes it go along smoothly? When everybody fulfills their role. Nowadays, we've got kids trying to be the father. Nowadays, we've got kids trying to be the mother. And nowadays, we've got uh, fathers trying to be the kids. We've got mothers trying to be the kids. They got the, uh, the wrist disease with their thumbs going. And uh, we've got all our roles backwards. And as a result, is it any wonder that things aren't working? You see, everybody has a role to fulfill. In a church, a church has different roles. you got a pastor. Uh, he's the under-shepherd. He's the, the, the one that God gave to the church to lead and to guide and, uh, and to direct as God would lead through his word. You've got, uh, you've got assistant pastors to help the pastor and assist. You've got the deacons, and you've got the ushers, and you've got the nursery workers, and you've got the sound man, and you've got all different roles, and you know what makes it work? When everybody fulfills their role. Now, can you imagine the chaos, and can you imagine the, uh, uh, the utter, uh, uh, just absolute uh, chaotic situations that would arise in a church, in a company, in a home, when everybody with their role says, hey, I don't want to do my role, I want to do that role. Hey, I don't want to fulfill my job, I want to do that job. Can you imagine the chaos and the, and the lack of order that would take place? Well, friend, let me remind you here today. Did you know it's God's job to make all things beautiful in his time? It's not your job. It's not my job. It's not our job. It's God's job. And we ought to leave it up to God. Too many Christians have changed he in this verse to I. Too many Christians have changed he in that verse to me. Too many Christians have changed he in that verse to we. And we think it's our responsibility to make things beautiful. We think it's our responsibility to make things turn out. We think it's our responsibility to make things just turn out just right and just the way we want them. But friend, let me remind you here today, the Bible still says he. The Bible still says God. The Bible still says it's God's job, not mine and not yours. Number two, I want you to notice here another word. Hath made. Look at the next two words. He hath made. Hath made. God is the one who makes things. I don't make things. You don't make things. God makes things. God made this world that we live in. God made uh, all that's in this world. Uh, God makes everything that we have. It matters not how bad something may be in your life. It matters not how ugly something may be in your life. I want us to understand here today God is the one who makes things, and it matters not how ugly something may be. It matters not how bad a situation may be. It matters not how uh, uh, discouraging a circumstance may be. 
God can make it good. And friend, only God can make it beautiful. God hath made. In the beginning, we read that God, in Genesis chapter 1, created the heaven and the earth out of nothing. God created the heaven and the earth out of nothing. Is there anything beautiful about nothing? <laughs> I mean, think about that. Is there anything beautiful about nothing? Oh, that nothing is just beautiful. No, there's nothing beautiful about nothing. But God took nothing and made something out of it. He took nothing and made the earth and made the heaven. God took an ugly earth that was without form and void, and he made it beautiful. There was nothing pretty about the earth. Uh, it was void. It was, with, it was just a big old ball of dust and clay, and God took an ugly earth that was without form and void, and he made it beautiful. He made the beautiful rivers. He made the beautiful lakes. He made the beautiful oceans. God made the beautiful coast. God made the beautiful plains. God made the beautiful swamps. God made the beautiful hills. God made the beautiful mountains. Hey, God even made all the beautiful things that are in the earth. God took the ugly darkness and made the beautiful light to light up the darkness. He made the beautiful sun that we see each and every day. God made the beautiful moon and the stars that light at night. God made the beautiful things that are in the earth. Hey, I want you to think about this. God took the ugly emptiness on the earth and made the beautiful animals. God made the beautiful lions. God made the beautiful tigers. God made the beautiful bears. God made the beautiful elephants. God made the beautiful giraffes. God made the beautiful monkeys. God made the beautiful birds. God made the beautiful eagles. God made the beautiful hawks and the doves and the cranes. God then looked at the sea and God made the beautiful whales. God made the beautiful dolphins. God made the beautiful fish. And yes, God even made those ugly things uh, that are called jellyfish. And those, even those ugly things we look at and say, ew, those are ugly. Get them away. Hey, they're beautiful because God made them. God took the ugly emptiness on the earth and made the beautiful animals. Oh, but friend, it pales in comparison. God's greatest act yet, God's greatest thing yet was he took the ugly dirt. Oh, God reached down and grabbed the dirt of the ground and, hey, there ain't nothing pretty about dirt, friend. It's ugly. Uh, it's dirt. God took the ugly dirt of the ground of the earth, and you know what he did? He breathed the breath of life into it and made beautiful by creating man. Hey, friend, I want you to understand something here today. Out of the ugly nothing, God made things. And God saw that they were good. And friend, let me remind you here today. He made them beautiful. Hey, you know what? It's not my job to make things beautiful because I can't. It's not your job to make things beautiful in your life because you can't. It's not our job to make things beautiful in our lives because you know what? We can't. That's God's job. That's not ours. But let me remind you here today. God has that power. God makes things beautiful when they're ugly. You may say, Brother French, uh, I've got this situation in my life, and it's ugly, and it's a mess, and uh, I don't know how in the world anything good can possibly come from this. Hey, friend, hey, take comfort in the fact that he hath made. Number three, notice the next two words, everything. Everything. In other words, let me give you a scientific definition of this. That means all. All means all, and that's all means. God made everything beautiful. God excludes nothing from this verse. There is no hurt that is excluded. There is no heartache that is excluded. There is no problem that is excluded. There is no pain that is excluded. There is no persecution that is excluded. There is no scar that is excluded. There is no sickness 
that is excluded. There is no sorrow that is excluded. No, friend, there's no test that is excluded. There is no trial that is excluded. There is no trouble that is excluded. There is no tribulation that is excluded. Friend, the Bible says everything. And hey, I'm a literal believer of the Bible. When God says everything, that means that, you know what? No matter what situation I find myself in, no matter what problem I find coming into my life, no matter what trial I may face, no matter what scars I may receive, uh, no matter what sickness I may encounter, no matter what sorrow may fly into my life, friend, the Bible says everything. God hath made everything beautiful in his time. There is nothing that is excluded. You say, Brother French, I, I, I lived a life of sin before I got saved. And I got scars to show it. And I've got some, I made a mess of my life. Friend, aren't you glad here today? Everything. Hey, uh, you can take a life that's beat up by sin. You can get someone saved. God will save somebody. And hey, lo and behold, God hath made everything beautiful in his time. You may say, how in the world can anything possibly good come from this? I've made a mess of my life. Maybe there's a trial or sickness that came into your life. And uh, you're looking at the situation and saying, I didn't ask for this. Uh, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't, I didn't ask God for this. I asked God for blessings, and I asked God for protection and provision. And here comes a hurt, and here comes a heartache, and here comes a problem and a pain, and I didn't ask for this. Friend, let me remind you here. God excludes nothing from this verse. God looks at that situation. We look at it and say, I don't see how anything good can come from this. I, don't, I, I just don't see it. I don't understand it. And I'm done for. There. It's all over with. There's no way anything possible can good come from this. And God's up in heaven saying, hey, friend, I created beautiful out of ugly. I created beautiful out of nothing. Uh, and I say everything. And God means everything, friend. And in Genesis 18, 14, God said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Uh, in Jeremiah 32, 27, God said, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Jeremiah prayed to God in Jeremiah 32, 17. Uh, and he said, Oh, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm. And there is nothing too hard for thee. You know what the problem is? We don't believe God. We don't believe God when he says everything. God, you haven't seen a case like me before. God, I, I, I've sinned a little too much. You've not seen a sinner like me. Oh, really? He hasn't seen a David. He hasn't seen a Lot. He hasn't seen an Abraham. He hasn't seen a Peter. Oh, friend, there's been plenty of sinners before us. There will be plenty of sinners after us. And God says, hey, is there anything too hard for me? You say, God, you've not seen the sickness I got, God. I mean, it's just over. The doctors gave me a bad report. Uh, the specialist said there's no hope. Uh, they said, I'm done for. They said, get things ready. It's over. And God says, hey, friend, I can make everything beautiful. You say, how in the world can anything good possibly come from this? God says everything. God says everything. Number four, notice the next, ver next part of this verse. Beautiful. Beautiful. He hath made everything beautiful he hath made everything beautiful. Everything that God makes is good and beautiful. It's not bad and ugly. As you know, and I, I know I'm beating a dead horse, but God is not an amateur up in heaven. God is not a uh, novice up in heaven. 
God is not a rookie up in heaven. He's not like that kindergartner that takes finger paint and he's just, look at mommy, I made a horse or I drew a sky. And you're looking at it saying, what in the world is that? That's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Uh, no, that is not God. God is not a novice. God is not an amateur. God is not a rookie. God is the master. And everything that he does is a masterpiece. Oh, friend, realize here today, God can take a broken pot of a life and he can refashion it into something beautiful. God can take a life destroyed by sickness and health, and he can make it beautiful in its time. God can take something that is a mess, and God can take something that, quite honestly, we look at and say, that is ugly. There's no way anything good can come from that. And God can make it beautiful. Why? He's the maestro. He's the master. He takes that which we say is no hope, and God says, I'm glad you think that, because now I can show you what I can do. I'm glad you uh, think that No, there's no hope, because, hey, now I can show you what I can do. God hath made everything beautiful. Number five, notice the next three words. In his time. In his time. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. When it, notice, notice verse number one. Let's go back to verse number one. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. You know what we say? When is the season, God? When is the season? I'm going through this season that's ugly, God. I'm going through this season that's just a ringer. I'm going through this season. It's going to do me in, God. When is the season going to be over? You know what God says? In my time. In his time. We look at that verse and we say, when is the time, God? Uh, God, I'm facing the ugly in life. I'm dealing with the ugly in life. Uh, this is not a beautiful situation. God, quite honestly, I don't know when or how you're going to make it beautiful. I just don't see it. I just don't understand it. When is the time? What does the Bible say? Verse 11, in his time. You realize here today, it's not our time. It's not my time. Uh, it's not anybody's time but God's time. Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9 for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And friend, let me remind us here today, God hath made everything beautiful, not in our time, not in my time, not in your time, not in our time as a group, but in his time. You look at a situation and say, God, fix it now. We, we say, God, change it now. God, will you end it now? God, will you make it beautiful now? And God says, hey, friend, just trust me in my time, in his time. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And maybe you're here tonight and you're going through a trial. Maybe you're here tonight and you're going through some troubles. Maybe you're here tonight and you're facing some health problems. And you say, God, I just don't see it. I don't know how you're going to make anything good come from this. Maybe something bad happened in your life. Maybe something just shook your world upside down. And you say, God, how in the world can you take that which is ugly and make it beautiful? God, when are you going to do it? And God says, in my time. In my time. And friend, let me remind us here today. We're not to focus on how or when things in our life are made beautiful. Remember, that's God's job. Too many Christians going around, they're trying to be the CEO when God says, hey, be the janitor. They're too busy trying to be the CEO when God says, hey, uh, uh, do this or that. And God says, hey, I'm in control. I know what I'm doing. 
and we're trying to do God's job. That is God's duty. You know what we're to focus on? I'm glad you asked. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, God ends off this book. God ends off Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse number 14, or verse 13 rather. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. You know what happens when we go through the ugly in life? We say, what's the, what's the hope? What's the use? Why do I even try? Why do I even try to do what's right? Why do I even fear God? Why in the, in, a lot of Christians go through this thinking, what's the point? I, here I have been serving God, and here I have been uh, trying to get close to God, and here I have been uh, spending time with God and, and doing my best and sacrificing for God, and all of a sudden ugly comes into my life, and all of a sudden circumstances change, and Christians get tempted to say, what's the point? God says, you know what your duty is in the good, in the bad, in the beautiful, in the ugly? No matter what the circumstances are, God says, hey, fear God and keep his commandments. Because remember, Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. People like to, ch to, to cherry pick that verse and say, oh, that means everything's going to turn out good just because I love God. If you love God, you'll fear him. If you love God, you'll keep his commandments. And friend, if you'll just do that in the ugly, if you'll just do that no matter the circumstances, if you'll just do that no matter what's going on in your life, hey, take comfort in the fact that God said, hey, I've got something good going on. I'm working on something good here, and you may not understand it. And it's like the Bob Ross painting. He's halfway done. You're saying, I don't see it. I don't understand it. I, I, I know you told me you're drawing a mountain, Mr. Ross, but I don't get it. But by the time he gets to the, fi the, the finish line, by the time the, the show's about to end, hey, it ties it all together, and he puts the finishing touches. And all of a sudden, that which was quite honestly ugly is beautiful. And friend, God says, hey, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. You just keep on fearing God. You just keep on keeping God's commandments. You just keep on doing what you're supposed to do. And when the time comes where you say, how in the world can anything good possibly come from this? You can read the verse and say, well, he hath made everything beautiful in his time. And so I'm going to hold to that promise. And I'm going to just keep on going. And I'm just going to keep on fearing God uh, because I believe God and I believe what his word says. And, oh, no, my doubts may come and uh, the world may throw doubts and they may laugh and, and they may say he's finished. And uh, the doctors may say it's over and the specialists may say he's done. But I believe my Bible and God has made everything beautiful in his time. Philippians 1 verse 6, I'll close with this. Being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. And friend, I'd like to say that I have all the answers, but I don't. Uh, no man has all the answers. I'd like to say, hey, this is why, or this is, this is what God's doing, but no man knows what God's doing. But we do know this. God's begun a good work. God's starting to do something good in our lives. If you're saved here today, hey, take comfort in the fact that no matter what you go through in life, no matter what sorrows may come, no matter what circumstances may take place in your life, you can be confident of this very thing that 
he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it. God's the master. God's the maestro. God's the, the potter. God knows what he's doing. Hey, God said, hey, I'll make it beautiful in my time. Not your time. Uh, not our time. But my time. And friend, that may be when we get to heaven. We don't know. I was reading a story once. And a pastor, a preacher, he said, God, he, prayed, he made this prayer. God, I want my ministry to reach around this world. God, I want to touch continents. I want to shake continents for you. I want to reach people. I want to have a ministry that just has influence around the world. And all of a sudden, that man got stricken with cancer. Four months later, he was dead in the grave, six feet under. People would have looked at that and said, that was pretty ugly in life. That was some pretty ugly situations. How in the world can anything good come from that? How in the world can anything good possibly come from that ugly situation, from that terrible circumstance, from that horrible health problem? Oh, but the story's not finished yet, friend. You see, what most people fail to realize is that man, he had written a book. And that book went around the world. And that book helped a lot of people. And that book influenced a lot of people and helped them in their Christian life and helped reach people. Friend, you see, we do not see what God is doing. We look at the situations and we look at the circumstances and we say, that's ugly, God, and uh, I want it to be beautiful. And God, I want it. And we think it's got to be done this way. And God says, friend, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. If only you could see what I see up here. If only you could see what I'm doing up here. If only you could see what I'm making in your life. Oh, you'd realize that it's beautiful. You'd realize that it's good. And friend, take truth in this, this verse. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Not my time. Not your time. Not our time. But in God's time. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for